RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. So yesterday you might have seen the news hit after four o'clock, and I'm going to read the headline from the Science Media Centre, but you've seen it on the um, news websites as well. Climate change is taking a toll on every, every aspect of Antarctica. Expert, so every and expert, keywords here, expert reaction. My colleague, Don Nicholson from the Greenwash program is here to break this down on our RCR breakfast show. Don, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Uh, good to be on your show, Paul. And uh, it never stops this stuff. It's, a, it's the gift that keeps giving this climate stuff. Okay, it's gone. I'm feeling to next level. Maybe I'm I'm sort of going over the top. But it seems to me Antarctica is, is a tell. Um, the word every, expert, and as you read down, extreme, all the touch words, whatever you want to call them, are there. So um, you, you've far more than me have drilled into this. What is your reaction and your, uh, your initial impressions of what we've found out about Antarctica? Well, um, you've just hit all the nails on the head. I probably don't need to say any more. I mean, effectively, it is a distant uh, mass of uh, land and ice, and it's distant, and there's very few people being there. And moreover, it's only had its um, uh, its sort of ice depth and, and quantum measured since uh, about 1979. Yeah. And so... Oh, about as far back as Niwa went for the rain data for the for the recent thing, as Ian Wishart found out. Not too long ago. I was still at yeah. school then. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, they use terms like atmospheric river, your favourite term. Um, I, I just think... Um, this is a bit like fixing 4.6 billion years of planetary evolution, one clump conference at a time. And of course, in yeah. Christchurch last week, there was this conference where uh, this document was was talked about. So all the things you're talking about are, are right. Uh, there's a whole lot of um, uh, sort of self-interest uh, concepts in there too. Uh, one thing talks about uh, nations and pledges. Well, they have nothing to, it has pledges uh, have nothing to do with science. Generally, they have nothing to do with science. Then yeah. there's several there's several opinions posited and not provable facts. Um, there's a lot of self interest, it seems. So, and for instance, you have terms like increasing evidence that fossil fuel burning and consequential global heating of 1.1 to date has led to increased occurrence of and severity of extreme environmental events. I mean, that's unproven. Um, Nothing about are, that is nailed down at all, right? No, well, all the tipping points that have come to us within the last 30 years haven't occurred. So, you know, uh, look, I have no disrespect for people that put up um, uh, good ideas and and want to have their ideas tested and and the self-interest is taken out of it. But yeah. we just are not seeing this in any of this climate stuff. So, you know, they have got an outlier. I have to admit, there was an outlier, a pulse of warmth. Uh, but see, they hand that up even, um, that they say this is the world's greatest ever heat wave. And of course, it went from minus 50 to minus 10 or something at one point down in Antarctica. So the world's greatest ever heat wave. Yeah. Uh, hard to fathom all that stuff when you're talking about um, sub-zero temperatures. Uh, but, you know, my the other thing is, um, this seems to be, pretty good evidence that uh, the ice generally uh, melts and repairs itself, comes back in the winter. Well, I think uh, they've, haven't they said in there, I saw that this is the worst melting in seven and a half million years. Yeah, well. And I wonder how 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 you know that. 
Well, uh, we've had Ian Plymer on, and um, some of the data in this document does agree with Ian Plymer. In fact, on page 13 of the uh, manuscript, it talks about CO2 six times. It doesn't talk about CO2 anywhere else in this whole document. Now, CO2 is the big bogey, isn't it? It's the thing that's mm. going to destroy the world because it's it's increasing. Only mentioned six times in this page 13, and that page 13 talks about the sort of geologic evolution of um, of Antarctica, and it would fit in with what Professor Ian Plymer talked about. So, but, but here we are, we've got uh, information in terms of uh, measurement, absolute measurement since 1979 or thereabouts, and we now have one anomaly, one outlier uh, compared to the last 50 years. So, I don't think it's time for climate hysteria or, or you know, hysteria and pandemonium here, but um, I just say it's par for the course and we'll watch this play out in New Zealand media as it always does and the usual suspects will be there. We've got Frank a couple of clips from Ian Plymer and the conversation that, that you had with him on the Greenwashed program. So maybe we, we can listen to him speaking about what you have just um, told us about. So here's that part of the interview, I think. If we have another three glaciations and we're just coming out of an interglacial into another glaciation, another three of those, and we'll have the carbon dioxide content in the atmosphere so low that this will be dangerous for all life on Earth. And I argue very strongly that we picked on the wrong gas. Uh, the main greenhouse gas is water vapour. Um, secondly, we picked on the food of life as the gas we want to destroy and sequester and lock away. We should be concerned that we have such a low carbon dioxide content because it does the planet good. And we've seen that in the last 40 years. We had a very slight increase in atmospheric carbon dioxide. We've seen a greening of the deserts. We've had better crop yields. That's partly due to the aerial fertilisation of carbon dioxide, but it's partly due to GM crops. It's partly due to better fertilisers and it's partly due to better farming practices. So the third atmosphere has had a decrease in carbon dioxide and it's been decreasing enormously and it's an oxygen-rich atmosphere. So like life, like the rocks, like the planet, the atmosphere also evolves. And that evolution very much drives the evolution of life and the evolution of oceans. And so you just can't pick on one thing, the gas carbon dioxide, and say, oh, it's affecting the whole planet. All these cycles are working together and they're working hand in hand, and you have to look at the complete picture. And this is why geology is so wonderful, because to calculate what these past atmospheres did, you have to get outside, and if you want to measure how much carbon dioxide was in a past atmosphere, you've got to walk a lot of miles, measure how much dolomite you walk over, and dolomite's a solid rock, but it's got 48% carbon dioxide in that rock, you measure it, you assume it, say, goes down to 10 kilometres depth. You can then calculate the volume of carbon dioxide that we did to make, make that rock, and that came from the atmosphere. And then you go to the laboratory and you make carbon dioxide um, from dolomite. You then go to the laboratory and you make dolomite. And so from the experiments and from measurements out in the bush, you can work out how much carbon dioxide was once in the atmosphere. So I, I find this integration of science is very, very interesting, where most of your climate activists or climate scientists are just mathematicians. They have no knowledge of integrated interdisciplinary science, and they have no knowledge of what's happening planetary-wise in the past, uh, which leads into the present. And we can only start 
understand the present if we understand the past. So I, I would argue that, uh, well, posit now that that's case over, case closed, job's done, all the climate activists and everyone can go home and all the legislators can close their books and uh, retire and we just move on. But that's not what we're going to be allowed to do. Well, well to, to add to that, we then should stop funding people to do climate science research. They've done their job. Thank you very much. You've ruined the planet. Um, go away. But these people are imminently unemployable. These people, if they couldn't be in some institution frightening us witless um, about something that's going to happen in hundreds of years' time, they would have no job. That's a common theme, and, and some parts of our show, actually, uh, based on my background, that's definitely the case that I put up. Interestingly, is it ever possible, do you think, to isolate human-enhanced uh, CO2 in the atmosphere from uh, the rest. what has been there naturally? Yeah. Is well, that again is a very, very good question. I argue that no one has ever shown that human emissions of carbon dioxide drive global warming. So that's Ian Plymer uh, talking with you, Don, not too long ago on Greenwashed, and uh, he was talking about CO2 there. But you would have thought, given it's the bogey, that it would have been referenced many more times in what, what has been said here? Well, that's what I've come to expect. Uh, that's the narrative. That's the constant. Is the CO two is all all bad, and uh, and uh, it's got to be be uh, managed and and reduced in the planet. And of course, um, it can hardly uh, be part of the narrative that we've heard about for Antarctica losing ice because uh, CO two hasn't really increased much in recent years. Right, it's increased, okay. but not much. It's a, I mean, it's it's all very convoluted and very awkward, and I think it's purposely so. And you mentioned that heat pulse. Mm -hmm. Okay, that would have happened before, right? Guaranteed, well, probably. Um, oh, no one's talking about the under uh, under the sea floor uh, or under yeah under the sea floor uh, volcanoes down there. No one's talking about that at the moment, and clearly we know about that. Mm. So look. 4.6 billion years, and we're trying to condense this down to 50 years, and we know all about it. Uh, I don't think so. And then we blame just fossil fuels, just fossil fuels, that naughty hydrocarbon. So I guess mm. the impression that's created with the, let's say, extreme language used in this, kind of fear-driven in a way, that people are imagining great vasts chunks of ice melting and sea levels going up is that what they're trying to create the impression oh i think that is is clearly the impression and uh you know uh yeah let's let's hope um common sense and reasons comes to play it comes to play here and and there will be other scientists that will come out and say something different but you know one thing that did contrast for me is that uh the ar6 report uh from the ipcc is it sort of seems in direct contrast to this paper. So that's another anomaly. How can IPCC, who has you know, generally got credibility, uh, if you believe him. Uh, well, believe it's quoted him. a lot. Yes, yeah, all the time. And, and this paper seems in direct contrast to their uh, observations in AR6 about signals, you know, signals being whether it's you know, more floods, more, more rain, more wind, and all that sort of stuff. The signal I did find in that AR6 report was a slight warming. Uh, in the planet, but this it just doesn't seem in sync. So something's not right. You would want that to be in sync, wouldn't you? Well, if you you're have, doing this sort of thing. Well, you would have thought so. I mean, uh, those AR six page documents come in thousands. Of, you know, they're, they're tomes, and uh, they've got 
lots of uh, input. I've had lots of input into them. And mind you, I made an observation in the last show that I, you know, whether that's that's useful because so much of it is subjective. So much of it is subjective, and of course, my cynicism says it depends whose pay you're in as to what you write. This is a, a great fit for if you wanted to make an hysterical argument, and I'm sure these people honestly think they're onto something. So I, I want to be personally denigrating towards them, but Antarctica is 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 a perfect vehicle because, like I said at the start, no one lives there, no one has any experience. Maybe a few hardy, you know, um, adventurers over the years. You know, Amundsen and Hillary and Shackleton and those guys particularly Shackleton, he was there for a good period of time waiting around, um, have any experience of that environment. So it's easy to use that as a, a kind of Trojan horse for an argument to say. I, 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 hey, well, I think think you're, um, you're right. And, of course, we're leading up to an election. Um, and, of course, a climate of fear will, will sway a few people uh, who they vote for. So, or, or encouraging a climate affair. So, this is just another another part of the the puzzle, I suppose. Um, I, you know, as as you're aware, I'm no guru on this stuff. I just hope there's scientists with absolute integrity and, you know, they, they, they with clarity of thought can get away from this um, uh, sort of presentation where they put such vague concepts out there and they work on models that generally haven't worked in the past. Yeah, well, Niwa's little uh, supercomputer there, which is probably mm. um, outdated now. Only mm. It takes a few years. Um, looking at all the email addresses of all the scientists, they're all university-based pretty well, or Niwa-based. So they're in the system, most of them anyway. Yeah, and some of the authors, uh, I see one of the authors in the UK of the manuscript was from the WWF. Yeah, there's another one, School of Earth and Environment, uh, University of Leeds. I mean, some of them, Department of Zoology. Yeah, there was a, there was a wide range. Um uh, yeah, but they're all in. They're all in the zone that benefits, that sucks off the teat. Let's say potentially, um, yeah. for this sort of research and the way it's funded. Yeah, I think that's true. And you know, I've been around this for twenty five years, and the most legitimate. Oh, yeah, I, who am I to decide what's legitimate? But the stuff I seem to trust more uh, from scientists who have retired are in, and are in the pay of nobody. Okay, I've got another. Um, Cut here from your conversation with Ian Plymer, and this is where he's talking specifically about Antarctica. Um, what did he say here? Well, he he just said that uh, over time, uh, you know, the the plates have moved, and effectively, um, warm currents uh, divert themselves somewhere else. So, uh, at the time he's talking about, uh, I think it was thirty four million years ago, um, that Antarctica and South America were joined. So, look. Uh, it's it's very very um, you, you need to take a lot of time to study uh, the geology to get this right. But um, far be it for me to put words in the implanter's mouth. He says it better than me. South America was once joined to Antarctica, and we were nice and warm and jolly, and we had uh, a lot of connection of warm tropical waters coming north and coming south and keeping the Arctic and the Antarctic warm. And when South America started to pull away from Antarctica, we set up a circumpolar current around Antarctica. The warm water couldn't get there. It started to freeze. That was 34 million years ago. And over the last 34 million years, we've had ice that has expanded. That's a glaciation. 
and ice that's contracted, and that's an interglacial. We are actually in an ice age. And until we can move Antarctica off the South Pole, we will stay in that ice age. So that was Ian Plymer speaking on Greenwash with Don. Don, before we wrap it up, the other thing is New Zealand's proximity to Antarctica. The argument is that New Zealand really can't make any or create any effect in mitigating, you know, the global, if you're buying into this argument, um, global warming and all the consequences of that, even if we tried, it would just be a virtue signal. This, our proximity to Antarctica in this argument, you can see a new sort of narrative coming in possibly saying, well, you know, we're one of the closest to Antarctica. So even if we can't make any difference, in global terms, we have to do our bit to save Antarctica. And, you know, if those um, ice shelves melt, coastal property gone, right? Yeah, yeah, all of that. Uh, and, of course, we'll have Antonio Gutierrez down here talking about um, something different than global boiling. I mean, I'm not quite sure what he'll talk about, but he'll find find the right words, no doubt. I mean, these people, you know, the, the leaders of the, U, the UN and, uh, and, and the like, they really do have, think they have um, power in their hands that is way beyond their their mandate, uh, if they even have a mandate. So, you know, I think we've just got to have eyes wide open, um, even wider open than we've had them for the last thirty years. Because my view is we've been like sheep to the slaughter. Yeah, and uh, already um, I see that some of the media outlets are carrying the story in, in that kind of um, alarmist way. So. Scientists sound alarm over extreme events in Antarctica, New Zealand. Here we go in firing line. Yeah, I saw that too. And I thought so that's oh, what I was we... just saying before. And I hadn't even read that. <laughs> it's so <laughs> easy to, to, to reverse engineer what comes next. You're so perceptive, Paul. So no, perceptive. I'm not. That, that's it's why we easy. have you on. That's it's why easy, you're the host. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Don, thanks for coming in and sort of running your eye over, over this. And hopefully we can, um, bring a bit more detail to it as we um, get the opportunity, hopefully, of talking to some experts. Yeah. Um, expert reaction is part of the um, the headline here, so uh, obviously yeah. that word is still being used. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get we'll get more people on Greenwashed, and I'm sure you will on your show too. And, and yeah, we will. So look. Yeah. Uh, let's get this front and center because it's big ticket stuff. Absolutely, Don Nicholson from Greenwash. Thanks for popping in this morning. No problem. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.